0: Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into
1: it. Hello listeners, happy holidays. Today we're going to be talking about The Lost City, a movie with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum that I found really fun.
0: Yeah, we decided that this is our new tradition for the end of a season.
1: We can have traditions
0: now. We can have traditions now. We're (laughs) at the end of season two, guys. Thanks for joining us for however long you've been listening. And if you're new, welcome. But yeah, so for our end of season, we're going to talk about... The Lost City, like Miranda said, Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, action, adventure, comedy, romance.
1: I guess it's technically called The Lost City of D, but The no, Lost City the sounds is, better. The movie
0: is called The Lost City. Oh, it is. Okay. The book within the movie is called The Lost City of D.
1: Oh, that's right. That's yes, right. That's right. The fictional book within
0: the Fictional Fictional movie. movie. Yes. Which is great. I think I like hopefully we can find plenty of these movies of about writers because I find that fun. But that yeah, that's kind of so I actually hadn't seen it until yesterday. I'd heard about it and I sort of been it had been on my watch list. But yeah, so it's about if you haven't seen it, it's about a, a romance author who is struggling to with motivation to write in her case because her husband died which is a little bit drastic.
1: And she ends up going on a, it's not a book tour. She goes to like a conference. Yeah, she's
0: at a romance romance conference, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think she's at a romance conference. And then she ends up getting whisked away Kidnapped. by a villain because in her romance book, she put some archaeology stuff that turned out to be true. And so now they're going to take her and they're going to force her to interpret this archaeology stuff on about... The Lost City of of D. D.
0: Yes. Yes. Which was, yeah. So there's the book, The Lost City of D, but there's the actual, also fictional, Lost City of D. There's some long native name that she calls it at the beginning of the movie, but I'm not even going to try to say that. Which is exactly why people call it Lost City of D instead of whatever the quote unquote real name is. But, um, and so then, of course, the fun thing is her cover model, who's secretly in love with her and maybe kind of wishes he was actually the guy in the in the <laughs> novels comes and tries to rescue her
1: um spoiler warning
0: <laughs> so <laughs> okay if that, i'm sure was that not in the credits like we're going to talk that, about that more is, spoilers that than is that in the credits i'm but sorry I'm in this opportunity trailers, yes to from from this point trailers. on if you haven't seen this movie spoilers will be coming
1: obligatory spoiler warning yes
0: it is obligatory and this movie is fairly new because i yeah one of the, I want to talk about one of the kind of really big spoilers and maybe we'll just talk about that now since we're talking about spoilers, but yeah. well, because I had a question for you because I hadn't really seen any previews or anything. So I don't know how much was obvious. But um, so like very shortly into it, a real action hero shows up played by Brad Pitt, right? Yes. Um, and he rescues her initially and then is killed just and he's gone and <laughs> and it was interesting because they were setting up all this stuff where like he was a better love match for her because he had the intellect and the whatever he was actually like the guy in the book unlike the cover model who is not
1: and she explicitly states like within the first couple of minutes that she is sapiosexual
0: yeah that's right she uh, does
1: which means like she's very into intelligent people so
0: and cover model, what's his name? Actual name. The da- dash is the character's name. Alan, I think Alan uh, Channing Tatum. It's not like he's dumb, but yeah, he's not like super intellectual like she is. The
1: Sort of the thing with her is that if you put it in D and D terms, he's <laughs> high wisdom, low intelligence. There you go. Okay. I so like he he has a lot of insight, but he's yeah. not the book smartiest yeah. person.
0: Yeah. Um Whereas she had, I don't know if it was a PhD or a master's or something, but there was some because like. The reason she wrote about this city and that she got kidnapped is because she did some high academic dissertation on it. You definitely get the vibe from her character that she's like... She's writing romance because it sells, but she would rather be sort of like your Arthur Conan Doyle, where he didn't really want to write uh, Sherlock Sherlock. Holmes, but it sold. And so he did. But he really wanted people to read his treatises on the Boer War or whatever. And she would rather be writing and making money off of. I mean, she doesn't say making money off of. But anyway, she
1: she would rather be in the field doing archaeology work.
0: Exactly. um, Instead of writing
1: romance novels. Her in the cover model. Not Dash. Yes. Um, (laughs) End up going through the jungle fighting for their lives and then end up stumbling upon the lost city, finding the treasure. Um,
0: We're doing all spoilers. It wasn't a treasure, it was a metaphor for love, which uh, the evil villain
1: was very upset about. Was very
0: upset about. (laughs) The evil villain, played by Harry Potter, I mean, Daniel (laughs) Radcliffe.
1: Um, don't you mean elijah wood oh uh, yeah oh was it elijah wood <laughs> no it is Danielle okay i Radcliffe. was like what that's an internet joke <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. everyone gets Elijah. lot
0: <laughs> but, but you you had me there for a second because I, like, I was afraid i was gonna say the wrong name anyway <laughs> yes but it works out beautifully if we're talking about themes and motifs of a movie where you know The actual treasure is love and enjoying life, which is what
1: she was struggling to do with at the beginning. Precisely. Yeah. And
0: what exact the exact thing that uh, Alan can provide for her. I I always like that. And it's not like it is it's not billed as a romance movie or maybe it's like as a sub category. But whenever you have a romance, I feel like that's a really important aspect of like that. The two characters should help each other. Yes. Become better in some way. He helps her loosen up and have... Enjoy life again. Not loosen up sounds bad. Like, she was legitimately grieving, but he helps her find joy in life again. And and, and, and and I really like it that he, like, tries to learn Latin for her and stuff at the very end, too. Yeah. So she tries to help him be a little bit more... Academic. intellectual. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay. So now that the summary is over.
0: So one of the very first things that I liked, like, from the very opening scene of the movie, and it's something that we've wanted to talk about, was they did a really good job of hanging a lantern on things. So, like, in the op- the opening scene of the movie is actually her envisioning a scene in her book. And so it's got the hero and the heroine lying in ropes on the floor, surrounded by a bunch of snakes <laughs> and an evil villain standing over them and gloating. And, and she just starts, she's like, there are a lot of snakes in here. How, and that one's not biting that henchman. Like what is going on here? Where did these snakes come from? Yeah.
1: Why do you have what did them? What do they
0: eat? Yeah." <laughs>
1: And then and then she starts saying, delete, and then the snakes disappear, and then delete, and the mm-hmm, henchmen disappear. Yeah. And
0: and the villain himself, he's like, wait, I think I could still be good in this story, and she...
1: And she just... No. <laughs> Deletes him, which is great. <laughs> which, as an author, I feel that. So <laughs> hardcore. Like, you Do just, your
0: characters ever ask you not to delete them?
1: I don't think so, okay. but it's definitely, like, definitely that, what... Where am I going? Why am I doing? I ha- I have to justify this somehow, and I can't just get... No, start over. Yeah. So, oh, what is Hanging a Lantern for our listeners who may not know?
0: So Hanging a Lantern on something is the concept of if there's something that could be considered an inconsistency, you draw attention to it so that the reader at least subconsciously knows that you as the author know that it could be inconsistent but you have a reason like, it's not actually inconsistent because usually the answer is because people aren't actually perfectly consistent and so but you you want to, to show the reader that you didn't just like randomly make this character do something out of character you're just showing another ass, uh, facet of their of their personality or something depending on what the situation is but
1: well and then sometimes as like less a plot device but more as a if, if the author knows that this is kind of an easy solution sometimes they'll hang a lantern on it and be like yes we know this is cheating a little bit but also i'm going to cheat like right so quote unquote
0: yeah so there's that there was that opening scene with her and in this case she she, she was the movie was hanging a lantern on sort of the ridiculousness of some of these movies of of its own genre right yes of uh snakes and 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 are these things realistic it was hanging a on no it's not really realistic and in her case she decided to delete it but in a lot of cases you just accept it because it's part of the genre snakes Why? <laughs> Why <does laughs> they're always snakes, snakes. yeah <laughs> Uh, so another one was also close to the beginning when she's first kidnapped. She she's like oh she's like. Oh, you got me good. I thought this was a real kidnapping. And she's like, look at that guy with his, you know, his outfit, his mustache. And, and that guy with his tone on tone camo. And, and the guy with the mustache like touches his mustache. Like, what's what's wrong with my mustache? And um, so it's like.
1: You guys are such caricatures yeah, exactly. of kidnappers. Mm-hmm. Like, of course you would do that. Okay, ha ha, funny joke. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, they were actual fake henchmen. I mean, fake because they're fictional. But so so hanging a lantern on that in terms of like. We're going to really play up the uh, silliness of this whole incident because, yeah, it's not actually real. I don't think this happens in real life. I don't know. All you uh, romance authors out there who have gotten kidnapped and forced to uh, find ancient ruins, contact me.
1: Let and... us know. We're fascinated. <laughs> yeah. Please tell us your experience. Yes, like Between Sandra Bullock and the gal from Romancing the Stone. Mm, like... Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could go on a whole... I was like, you can't really do an episode on a whole TV series, but you've also got... Right, you've got Castle, the, the writer who suddenly
1: becomes a detective and stuff. He, he gets kidnapped, oh. actually, a fair amount. There, there was a movie with... Um, I think it was Paul Blart. Not Paul Blart. I can't remember. Uh, Mall Cobb guy, mm-hmm. where he was writing a secret spy novel... Nice. Um, okay. And so they thought he was a secret agent, kidnapped him, and then and then he became like a secret agent to try and do stuff. And nice. then he wrote another novel, and everyone was like, the last one was, was more better. believable. Nice. <laughs> Maybe that's what we can do next
0: year. Um, which I mean, that's particularly ironic because James Bond was written by an actual spy in World War II. So like, anyway, it's just funny how fiction and real life and circles within circles. <laughs> um, The one other thing I, I noted about, I'm not quite sure this falls under hanging a lantern on it, but I thought it was, I really like there's a point much later in the movie where they're like, they're being chased by two dudes on motorcycles. And they're like, ah and they come up with a plan to like, make one of them fall off the the motorcycle to try to escape and <laughs> and they make him run into the other guy and they both fall off a cliff and they just both have this the uh uh sander bullock and channing tater both have this moment of like oh oh we just killed people like and like trying to justify it and trying yes. to not be completely traumatized by it <laughs> which i feel like is like i feel like a lot of times in this genre like people just kill people and don't even think about
1: it and, yeah they're really blasé about it yeah. or like it was yeah, they don't really stop and like think about it.
0: Yeah, which a lot of if you're like if you're like a hardened killer character, then they wouldn't think about it. But th- that's exactly the case. These two were not like neither of them were used to this actual situation, and so so dealing with that, and they and do it with humor because it's a funny movie. But
1: yeah, it was it was quite hilarious. I do remember that part and laughing quite hard. So, um, oh, but in your answer earlier when you were talking or to answer your question earlier when you were talking about Brad Pitt and mm. trailers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, they did not advertise killing him in the trailers. Okay. like he was made it
0: seem like he was going to be in the whole movie.
1: Yeah, like he kind of swoops in and he's suave and then it would move on to something else. So at least I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure someone will pull it up on <laughs> it YouTube and be like... I, I do not remember him dying in the trailers, but yeah, that part was very startling.
0: Because that, that was sort of another topic, and then maybe I brought this up when I brought that up, but just this, the idea of tropes, and we've talked about tropes before... I thought we could sort of analyze the way. I thought this movie did a good job of both following tropes and then subverting them, which I think is key, really, if you're going to use tropes. You can't... If you just follow tropes the whole time, then you're going to feel cliche. But if you subvert all of them, then
1: you're... Then you're not really using the trope. And you're not...
0: Yeah, you're not fulfilling your audience's expectations.
1: So as with most things we talk about on this podcast, it's about balance. Uh, And so you want to do a little bit of everything.
0: Um, Let's talk about the Brad Pitt thing one more time, because I was thinking, like, we're talking... Or I, theoretically, we right now, Miranda, are talking to writers of books yes. less than movies. And so you're not going to have a trailer in the same sense. You can have a book trailer. But anyway, you're not going to have trailers in the same sense as this movie does. But you, we can sort of make a parallel between a movie trailer and a book cover Yes. And how much are you going to put on a cover? How much are you going to reveal of twists that come up? Luckily,
1: covers are shorter than trailers. Yes, they are. Definitely.
0: Um, so, like, if you made a book, a cover of this book, would you have Brad Pitt on the, on the cover? I don't or think
1: not? I would have, I don't think I would mention Brad Pitt at all, personally. Okay. Like,
0: but would that, would that then spoil too much? Like, when his character came on, would people be like, well, he wasn't on the cover and he wasn't on the back cover copy, so he's probably not going to live?
1: Like, kind of, probably how I would do it is I would have, so, like, in terms of cover design, I would have have Sandra Bullock be the main focus, and then have, like, a mysterious man in the background. Mm,
0: Maybe not clear which one it is. Yeah,
1: so that way it's not... Well, because with a book, too, you're not going into it with any information. Like, the only information you have is what is the cover and what is on the back. And so maybe a review if it's been out for a while. So have Sandra Bullock, have kind of, like, him, like, either blurred or in the shadows or kind of just, like, unclear. Um,
0: Because they did look fairly similar in... Like, they both, like... At least the model version of the character and Brad Pitt both had, like, long, flowing blonde hair and stuff. So, like, yeah, you could do something like that where you can't really tell whose face it is.
1: Yeah. Well, and then it would all depend, too, on how how far you go with that joke. Because in the movie, it's less than 10 minutes. Right. And so how much would Brad Pitt be a vessel in the book. Like, is right. he going to be around for a chapter or two, or is he going to be around for like three quarters of the book and then die at the darkest night? So if we posit that he only takes up about as much of a book as he does in the movie. With, with the movie... I would probably make the back cover, again, just focused on her. So that way yeah. the readers are guessing like, okay, oh, there's this cover model and stuff like that. And, and then, then your last oh,
0: sentence can be something about a rescuer guy coming and You could leave it a little
1: yeah vague too. Leave it a little vague. So I would mainly like focus on her if I wanted to play with that and yeah. not really reveal it on the back cover. Mm-hmm. Personally is how I would do it. And again, depending on how much he's in the book, you could also have it that if you're like advertising the dual POV, if you're having her POV and and you're having. Yeah, that
0: would be an excellent question. I'm not sure what they would do. Yeah, you'd have to do both. Like the movie definitely does both of their POVs.
1: And so in doing both, you could have like, oh, she's kidnapped and she's taken off to a distant island and Dash doesn't know like how to save her. And so he enlists the help of a former army officer guy to save the per- the woman that he loves. And so then that becomes like a buddy subtopic, mm. sub topic, sub topic subgenre not oh my god subplot that's the word I'm looking for that becomes like a buddy Because they did co-
0: have a kind of fun little buddy thing in their 10 minutes together.
1: Yeah and so that becomes like a yeah buddy cop kind of subplot thing going on and so then you can lean on that and so like oh he's got help oh oh no the woman he loves is falling for the man that he yeah. got to save her right. Because and, and, that's
0: kind of that's definitely what I was expecting. Yeah
1: and then and then like build up the drama from there and then he dies yeah. and so that's kind of if I was doing it that is how I would set up the book personally. So I'm sure publishers and stuff have completely (laughs) different ideas.
0: That that brings me to another thought that I've had a lot. It's like when you read, if you're reading a romance novel that has two POVs, then you know who's getting together, right? Like, it's not going to be some other random character. It's going to be those two. If you're in a romance novel, that's the like the established expectations. Now, if you're writing a thriller, maybe, but still, I feel like if you have two POVs and there's romance, themes Mm -hmm. so so i think i wonder if it's a little bit harder even to play to play with that
1: well but the question like
0: I guess even watching the movie, you knew from the beginning that they those two were going to get together, so...
1: You knew that those two were going to get together. You knew that probably wasn't serious. The startling thing was the fact that he died and the fact that he died so early. Yeah, you're like, right. Like, they were, they were more setting up for that to be, like, drama and melodrama yeah. and stuff like that. And so you were expecting that to be dragged on for a while. Um, and then it didn't happen. And so... And Cause. that's
0: the subverting tropes thing that we're talking about well, that can be really handy because yeah, yes. otherwise people would have been like, oh, this is just another love triangle. I've seen that before. Yeah, and, and even though it is essentially just another you know action romance, the fact that you set up that expectation and then subverted it, I think, makes it less like yeah. cliche or whatever. No,
1: that was that was definitely fun with what they did with that. I loved what they did with the publicist. Yeah um or was publisher. she an agent i think
0: she was the publisher publisher which, agent or <laughs> so that was one of maybe one of my complaints was like i'm not sure her role was very realistic in terms of because yeah i thought they said she was her publisher but i think she acted a lot more like an agent mm-hmm. um i could be wrong
1: i i loved her sass i yes. love as a character
0: she was great i I just had a question <laughs> in terms of like publishing world realism i don't know
1: but i'm i'm not sure yeah she could be a, the publisher So, But she was really fun, and I loved that. She was like, okay, the dudes went off to go save her, and I haven't heard from them. (laughs) Gosh darn it, I'm going to do it myself. I was like, yes!
0: (laughs) Well, and they did tie it together really well. I was a little worried at the end when she gets the boat and she has her rousing speech about how she needs a break. I was a little worried that she was going to come in as sort of deus ex machina, but they still managed... what, Loretta and Alan, I don't know if I should keep calling them Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Oh. <laughs> um, they still managed to get out of the, they were locked in a tomb to get out of there and then run into her boat. I kind of, I was afraid she. her boat was like in a land and then get them out or something. So, so it was a nice balance of the characters saving themselves and then getting some help. Yes. From another established character. I think that's the key if you don't want to have deus ex machina, mm-hmm. which we could have another episode on someday. Yes. Oh, I was thinking since we were talking about the cover, we're bouncing around a little bit. But one of the themes of the movie and, and literally said within the movie is not judging a book by its cover. Yes. Um, he sort of calls her out on that, which is a topic I wanted to talk about. She, she is a little bit dismissive of both her... Of her book, of her genre, and of her readers. Yes. And he has a, does a really good like calling her to. Calling her to the carpet? Hey, is I don't that know what the is? phrase is. I'm going to say to repentance, but that's not the right. He
1: he calls her out. He, he calls, calls her out. out there you go. And he calls her out and, it, and he does it. He's not mean about it. Yeah. Um, but he is firm about it and he makes a lot of great points. Yeah,
0: that I definitely want to talk about because romance and, and I think genre fiction in general gets this sort of bad rap. Um, so what I think she what, what she does is she calls her book schlock or something. But, um, And you can tell from the very beginning of the movie, like I said, that she doesn't really want to be writing romance necessarily. That's, that's one of the things at the beginning she says, oh, this is his last adventure. I'm not going to write anymore. Yeah. Um, and he freaks out because he likes being the model for it. But anyway...
1: So I think it may have started out fun for her when it, when she was with her husband and right, then her and then husband he died. died yeah. Her her view on it and the genre and everything well, yeah. else, she just... And if she you're got writing really romance really, really when better. the love
0: of your life has just died, like, I can understand being...
1: But she she does talk about, like, the fans are crazy and they're kind of dumb and he's kind of dumb and everything's kind of dumb. She's very judgmental. Yeah.
0: I think that's the way he helps her the, probably the most is being less judgmental. But Yeah. But yeah, so because I feel like romance especially and romance readers get a really bad rap, but other genres as well of just like well the thing so he's like you said he does a really good job of 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 calling her out on it because what he says is he's like when he first was the model he was really embarrassed because he was a model on a romance novel cover and he didn't want to talk about it. he didn't want any who's afraid his friends would recognize him and stuff and then he runs into a fan who's super happy to see him and he's like why am I so embarrassed about something that makes people happy mm-hmm. and so he just he embraced it and I feel like a lot of times writers like I remember I have a friend who who sh- when I first met her we were talking about writing and she's like oh yeah I wrote a novel and she's like it's just a it's just a fantasy novel and I'm like what do you mean it's just a fantasy novel like he wrote a book like that's it doesn't matter like don't be dismissive of your your own genre like I feel like people are are, tend to do that they tend to shy away a little bit and because I think they're worried about outside perception.
1: Outside perception well and it doesn't help when you've got like professors and stuff I can't say how many (laughs) stories I've seen on the internet about like English professors talking about genre fiction and how Fiction isn't real. Popular. Literature.
0: Anything popular is obviously not, you know, academic or good enough for smart people.
1: Which is. Sp- which that opinion i will say is i'm just it's wrong it's wrong (laughs) that that opinion i feel is ignorant i feel it doesn't take a look at other things like does is a lot of genre fiction can a lot of genre fiction be pulp sure but it's like movies are the same way right like there's a lot of popcorn movies like michael bay does not have a lot of substance to (laughs) all of his explosions the plot serves for the explosions and that is fine for a certain audience. And And there's nothing wrong
0: with liking that kind of a thing.
1: So I personally am not a fan, but (laughs) I understand why it exists and why it is there and for who it is for just don't. But that doesn't mean that all movies are that way. Like, and that doesn't mean that all genres are that way. A lot of them have really great insight. Or
0: even that all books within a genre, because like you're saying, there is pulp within any genre, but also there is real meaningful you know, life lessons, even within genre fiction.
1: Life lessons, there's real technique, there's real philosophy. Yeah, there's real philosophy, there's real, like, I have learned more about economy from (laughs) a well-written fantasy (laughs) novel than I ever have from picking up a book about economy, like someone who understands the concept and is able to turn it into fiction and make it a way that's consumable. Like, why are you looking down on that? I I do
0: think luckily, I think our culture is shifting, right? Uh, As Hardison says in Leverage, it's the age of the geek, and like, it's becoming more and more acceptable and accepted to write and consume genre things, video games, right? There's still a lot of people who are worried about things, but I think, I mean, maybe by the time we're, you know, in 20 years, maybe this will be a useless conversation because everyone will be will' be fully accepted of of everything like this. but because I remember when I was in college and I was talking with one of my elementary school teachers. Um, and he, we were talking about what we like writing or reading, sorry. And I mentioned that I liked reading fantasy and he was just like, oh, well, you'll grow out of that. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, and luckily I had, I had the example of my dad who is one of the smartest people that I know, you know, he was one of the kids in the sixties and seventies playing D and D and stuff. Um, so he's a long time nerd and he, as an adult was still reading fantasy. And so I was like, I don't think I'm going to grow out of it. I even brought that up to my teacher because my teacher and my dad had worked together when I was in six grade they had us out marching as a roman phalanx because my dad also really (laughs) likes history and this was a history teacher but and and so it was just like i don't think i'm gonna grow out of it look at my dad he's however old he is and he's still reading it and enjoying it and not finding it sub- you know, intellectual or whatever.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't diss other people's happiness. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a good way to put it. What is it? Don't, don't, don't yuck my yum. Isn't that, that's a saying.
1: Oh, is that, I've, have you I've never heard, heard, that? heard of
0: I've, that. I, my mom says that.
1: Um I thought it was a thing.
0: Maybe she made it up.
1: Maybe, maybe. Or like I am. It's a thing you haven't heard of. It's it, also possible. <laughs> I'll
0: have to look it up. Maybe I'll put that in the liner notes if there's an actual, <laughs> if it comes. Because I kind of feel like it might be like a slogan for a food thing or something. Anyway, we're getting off track now.
1: <laughs> well, we're actually running at a time yeah, which is a point. bummer yeah. because love being able to like I, I love movies I love story I love being able to like dive deep down into one but
0: and there, there were definitely some things and I don't want to end on this note there were some things that I was like mm, I think I would have done that differently in this movie like it wasn't a perfect movie but no. it did a lot of really good things and I like having an episode focused on the good things that it did
1: that's nice well thanks for joining us for this season we'll see you in season three you guys Woo. stay sharp my friends We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Writing Forge, a Writing Heights podcast brought to you by Nakano Press, post-production by Luke William Productions. To learn more about The Writing Forge, check out our social links in the episode description. Subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. For more informational writing content, be sure to become a Writing Heights member.